Do you ever find yourself wondering about the odds of something happening? Do you ever sit and think, like, what's the chance of that happening? I think about it all the time, and sometimes with the weirdest things. But today what we're going to be doing is looking at a segment of what we celebrate at Christmas and asking ourselves, where do we see God in the odds of this situation? But to get us warmed up for that, I want to play a little bit of a game. I want us to play, what are the odds? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make five statements. What are the odds of? And then I'm going to put it out there. And what I want you to do is play along at home. And you can either chat with someone around you or if you're watching live, type your answer in the comments. I'll go pretty quick. So if you get one or two ones, that'll be great. So let's go and ask the five questions. What are the odds? Question number one. What are the odds of being attacked by a shark? Have you ever wondered that? I sure have. Question number two. What are the odds of being ambidextrous? Question number three. What are the odds that I would be struck by lightning? Question number four. What are the odds of being born with an extra finger or an extra toe? Question number five. What are the odds that as an adult, I'll end up in the ER with an injury if I jump on a pogo stick? Well, fortunately, I was able to Google some of those answers, and so let's try it out. Hopefully, you were able to write down a few. The odds of you being attacked by a shark if you're swimming in shark-infested waters are 1 in 11.5 million. The odds that you're ambidextrous are about 1 in 100. The odds of being struck by lightning here in Canada are about 1 in a million. The odds that you might be born with an extra toe or finger are about 1 in 1,000. That was a little bit surprising to me. The odds that if you're an adult jumping on a pogo stick, you're going to end up in the ER, well, that's about 1 in 115,000. But I'd guess out of those, it's probably 100% likely that it's a dad trying to show off to his wife or kids. You know, the odds of things are interesting, and I have a story about one time where I encountered the odds. Amy and I went on this road trip down to California, and we decided as we drove that we would stop for a hike in the Redwood Forest. Now, if you've never been there, it's just a spectacular place to go. It's amazing to walk through these groves of enormous trees that look like they're reaching ever upwards. As we walked around, we looked at the trees, we kind of explored a little bit, crawling over, climbing over these massive fallen logs that have blown over in the wind and because of erosion. And as we were doing that, I encountered a situation where I came up against the odds. As we walked through that forest, I found a four-leaf clover. Can you guess what the odds of finding a four-leaf clover are? Well, they're one in 10,000. And I've got a little bit of proof. Unfortunately, it's not the proof I wish I had because when we were there, I went to pick that four-leaf clover and Amy made me leave it. But I did get to walk away with a picture. Check this out. I love that picture because sometimes it, remi it reminds me that sometimes when I'm looking for something, it's actually something else that can be the most surprising. Sometimes it's the little things, the unassuming things that help us to beat the odds. You know, I never went to the Redwood Forest to find a four-leaf clover. 
But when I found that clover, it was the highlight of that walk. Today, as we come to Scripture, we're, we might not be looking for the odds, but I think that this passage in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23, paints this picture of some interesting odds that allow us to consider how God works, and it tells us a lot about how extraordinary he is. So as we read this passage, pay attention to some of the little details, some of the things maybe you've just blown past if you celebrated this story in the past. All right, so let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. When they had gone, that's the Magi that we heard about in the kid's story earlier, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he, that's Joseph, got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And so he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel is weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. He said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Like I said, as I come to Scripture sometimes, I, I think about what are the odds of this happening? We know that Jesus is fully God and that he came to this world to live so that he could die for our sins. He came so he could rise after that death to bring us into relationship with God for eternal life. Jesus came. He came as God to be with us, to establish his kingdom on earth that would reign on for eternity. But we also recognize that as much as Jesus was fully God, he was also fully man. And when I think about this story of a boy who was born, who lived his life, I think, man, what are the odds of some of these situations? One of the first things that I think about as I read this passage is, what are the odds of some of these prophecies? In this small section of Scripture alone, we see that there are three prophecies that Jesus fulfills. The first one is in verse 15, where it says, Out of Egypt I called my son. And what's happening here is Matthew's letting us know that Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that's written about in Hosea. There's this prophecy that Israel would come up out of the exile and exist and go about living with God. Well, what Matthew tries to set up for us throughout his gospel is that Jesus is the new He's the new king. He's also the new Israel. He's the establishment of the new line through which all God's people will be connected to him. 
See, Israel had been the chosen people, but now it was the people of Israel, the Jews and the Gentiles, who would come into God's kingdom through Jesus. And so there's this fulfillment of the prophecy, which happens starting right here, that out of Egypt, Jesus would come and he would establish what God wants for the world. The second prophecy is found in verse 17 and 18, where we read about this fulfillment of the prophet Jeremiah's words about a voice that is heard as weeping and mourning, how Rachel, who we read about in the book of Genesis, is weeping for the loss of her children. Now, scholars are in quite a bit of debate about what this could fully mean, and and we actually think that perhaps we've lost some of the understanding of this because, well, we're just so far removed from it. But, But what we do know is that this is a situation in which we see the mourning of mothers crying over the loss of their children. But when the prophet Jeremiah talks about that, he talks about it in chapter 31 where there's a context of hope. He gives this hopeful picture that though there is weeping, that God is doing a good new thing. And here in this passage, of course, we see that there has been this atrocious act. Herod has murdered hundreds of boys under the age of two and so surely there would be weeping and mourning of mothers and fathers there would be anguish flowing through the streets of the cities and its its vicinity but out of that matthew wants us to know that there is hope there is good news still though there's this awful situation which matthew does not celebrate in any way he does say that there is a celebration that the king is still alive, that his kingdom will come. And we know that Jesus as king will establish a kingdom that one day will exist with no pain, no suffering, and no more tears. And so there's hope, even in the midst of darkness. We have a third prophecy, which is found in verse 23, where it says that he, that's Jesus, would be called a Nazarene. Now it tells us there that there were, this was said through the prophets. Now we can't find this exact phrase in the Old Testament, but there was this understanding that Jesus would come out of obscurity. The prophets knew that the Messiah would come from some place that wasn't well known. And you know, Nazareth is this community that wasn't really well respected. In the time of the prophets, it hadn't even been established. But in Jesus' day, It was about as good as being from Trout Lake, Saskatchewan. Trout Lake, Saskatchewan is this tiny little town that nobody knows about. Nothing good has ever come from. And, well, we don't really think much about it at all. Nazareth, likewise, was hardly known at all. People would hear about Nazareth and go, ah, that's just Hicksville. That's just where, you know, it's way out in the boonie. Nothing good's ever come out of there. In fact, this becomes a reoccurring theme through the life of Jesus, where people point about how Jesus comes out of relative obscurity. When he's crucified, there's a sign that's put over him, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Here's this guy who comes out of obscurity. We see that when Jesus calls his first disciples, Nathaniel asks Philip, what good comes out of Nazareth? Nazareth is this obscure place, but what we see is that there was this prophecy that the Messiah, the one who would establish God's kingdom, would come out of obscurity. And so we see here that Jesus fulfills this. 
Now, it's easy to look at these prophecies and just to kind of blow past them because we don't know all the ins and outs of them. But when we do that, we miss out on seeing an amazing picture. We miss out on seeing how God goes against all the odds. How he establishes his plans and he makes his will accomplished even when it seems impossible. Now, right here, we only have three prophecies, and there's way more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament that we read about Jesus fulfilling in the New Testament. Now, I, I'm not a great statistician, so when I looked up the odds for this, I wasn't able to find exactly what the odds were of Jesus fulfilling three prophecies, but what I was able to find were some researchers who'd come up with what Jesus, of the probability of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies. And we know that he fulfilled way more than this, so this should give us a little bit of a good picture about the odds. For Jesus to fulfill even eight of the prophecies that he fulfilled, the odds would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That means a 10 with 17 zeros after it. Now, I'm not that great with numbers, so I can't quite picture what that looks like. I, I just can't quantify it, but fortunately, the researchers who went into this did. They said, well, that's about the same as taking a whole bunch of tunies and covering the province of Alberta with them. But it's not just covering them with a single layer, but it's covering Alberta with a two-foot-deep layer of tunies. And then the odds... Of, of, of this prophecy being fulfilled is the same as marking one of those tunies, throwing it in at random, and then blindfolding someone and saying, okay, go find that single marked tunie. I mean, that is just mind-blowing. Can you imagine? Like, it just, it just wouldn't happen. I grew up in Alberta. I've driven all over Alberta. There's no way that you'd find a tunie in Alberta at the best of times, let alone in a two-foot deep pile while blindfolded. The odds are insane, but they're exciting. They're exciting because they reveal to us how God just bursts through our expectations, how God just pushes against all odds to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But in this passage, it's not just the, the odds of these prophecies, but it's also the odds of a baby versus a king sitting on the throne. What do I mean on that, by that? Well, on one hand, we have this young boy. At this point, Jesus is maybe probably no, no older than 20 months old, and he's got two sort of young parents who don't have a lot of resources, and he's told that he's going to be the king of Israel. On the other hand, you have Herod, who actually is the king of Israel, and, and he's powerful and he's strong. I mean, if you watch the little kids clip of them summarizing, he's incredibly handsome, but, but he's this ruthless leader with power, with might, with wealth. I mean, He's bought his own army, and he's backed by the political and military authority of Rome, and he's a little bit mentally unstable. I mean, this guy, uh, he felt people, were, when he felt people were uprising against him, he'd just kill him, and that included two of his own sons. This guy is unstable. He's powerful. He's wealthy. He's got everything behind him, and he lives only a few kilometers away from where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph lived. If this is going to be a competition for the throne, who are you betting on? I mean, if you had never read the Christmas story, who would you bet on? You're going to bet on Herod every single time. This guy is surely going to win. He's got all the success and power and everything you could need to win. But the good news is this isn't just baby versus bad guy. This is God against all the odds. 
God says, you know what, I am going to ensure that my son, that Jesus is going to make it through all of this to establish himself on the throne. So what happens? Before Herod has the opportunity to to send out people through that short ride to Bethlehem and its neighboring towns to, to kill all the boys, God sends an angel sends an angel to Joseph who says, get up, go tonight, right now. you got to get out of here and escape to Egypt. And him going to Egypt not only helped uh, fulfill one of the prophecies, but it took Jesus to a place where he would be safe because it was well beyond Herod's reach. Through God's work, Jesus went against all the odds. The odds of Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies about the Son of God who would establish his king forever are unimaginable. The odds of a poor family being able to navigate this situation to have their son become the king that would reign for eternity, unbelievable. Jesus also did something that no one had done before him and no one has done since. He lived a perfect life He went to the cross to die for the sins of you and I, and then he rose again so that we could live with him for eternity if we'd put our faith and trust in him. God defies the odds because he's not boxed in by our perception of reality. He's not boxed in by the way we do our math. When God wills for something to happen on earth as it is in heaven, it is accomplished because he's sovereign over it all. So the question that we need to reflect on today is where are you putting the odds above God? Where in your life have you yet to trust in God? Where in your life have you said there is no way that God could deal with that? All of us think about the odds, whether consciously or subconsciously. We do it at the grocery store. We, we weigh our options and pick which cashier we think is going to be fastest. We, we do it with our investments. We, we think, okay, this is the plan that I need to make so I can retire well. And as we do that, what we're doing is we're just evaluating the odds and chasing after them. It doesn't matter if you're an op- optimist, a pessimist, or a realist. An optimist just looks at the odds and say, I like those odds. A pessimist looks at the odds and say, I don't like those odds. And a realist, well, they just say the odds are the odds, and so I'm going to keep on marching forward. But as followers of Jesus, we're not called to be placing our bet on the odds. We're being called to believe in who Jesus is and what God can accomplish. We're called to know and recognize that Jesus goes over everything. We're called to believe that God can, even when the odds say he can't. How many times have you found yourself thinking, I don't think that God can? Maybe you say, I don't think that God can do anything with me. I don't think that God can really heal that person. I don't think that God can help turn my kid's life around. I don't think that God can really provide for me if I live the way he wants me to. I don't believe that God can help me deal with this broken relationship. These aren't things that we probably say out loud very often, but they're definitely things that we end up thinking internally. The problem is when we do that, what we've said is, I have an understanding of all the odds, of all the probability, and I am going to bet on this. And that bet isn't in line with God. But we have to recognize our limited understanding restricts us of being able to understand how God works. 
what Christmas reveals to us, what the scripture reveals to us is that God can't be boxed in. When God promises he'll do something, he delivers on it. He delivers on those prophecies. He brings about his son, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, moving to Egypt, coming out of Nazareth. He brings Jesus to the cross to die for his sins, to rise again. He says all of this is going to be accomplished, and he delivers on it time and time and time again. And we're supposed to look at this, and we're supposed to understand that God doesn't need us to box him in, but God needs us to trust him in all those situations. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to deliver on everything you have ever wanted. There's going to be times where where God provides something that isn't exactly in line with what you want because God doesn't promise our will to be done, but his. God says, I will accomplish exactly what I want to accomplish, when I want to accomplish it, how I want to accomplish it. But what I promise you is this, that I will work out everything for the good of those who love me. What's incredible is that God worked out some crazy things that we read about in Scripture in order that we would have an eternal life with Jesus. In the midst of countless lives being lost, God chose to reign supreme so that many, many more would be saved for eternity. God can work against all the odds in your life. You might sit there and say, I'm a train wreck. I've, I've just done my share of wrong things. I've just blown every chance I've ever got. There's nothing that God can do with me. Well, you're wrong. That's why Jesus came. He came to save you, to redeem your life, and to do incredible things in and through you if you'd put your faith and trust in him. I know he can do it because he's defied the odds. He set it all up for success, and he delivered on that promise at the cross. It doesn't matter if your kids push back against you and your faith. You can't say because of that that God will never, that they'll never be saved because God is the one who does the saving. So just like he brought you to himself, he can bring your kids to himself. It doesn't matter how deadly that disease is or what the prognosis is, God can heal it. And if he chooses for some reason not to heal it physically, he promises that he will work it together for healing spiritually for eternity. It doesn't matter if the world tells you you are worthless. If you have had every opportunity stacked up against you through life and you feel miserable, God says, I see you as my masterpiece. You are created to be the person you are meant to be. And if you choose to follow me, I will do incredible things with your life. It doesn't matter that Emmanuel Church is this little mid-sized church that exists in a community that rejects the gospel because God says, I will make a way for my good news and I will use you to transform lives and make a difference in this community. God can and will prevail against all odds. God has already promised it and he's already delivered on it through a baby being born in Bethlehem, leaving to Egypt, going to Nazareth, going to the cross and coming back to life and ascending to heaven where he sits and reigns and will reign forevermore. The thing that you now have to choose is will I choose to trust in God or the odds. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible work that you have accomplished. God, I thank you that you are not limited to our limited thinking. God, that you don't go into the boxes that we try to stuff you in, but God, you accomplish exactly what you want, when you want, how you want. God, I thank you that you are are smarter than us, that you're stronger than us, that you're better than us. God, I thank you that you are not just sovereign, but you are good, that you are loving, that you are merciful. God, I thank you for sending your son in exactly the way you did. God, I thank you that you defied the odds so we can look at scripture and be encouraged for how you might defy the odds in this present day in our very lives. And God, I pray that we'd be encouraged by that message today. Lord God, I pray that as we continue to celebrate this Christmas season, would we continue to look at the marvel of the story, one that most of us have heard so many times before, but would we see it with such new eyes so that we would be able to worship you and celebrate you in new ways. God, we thank you for how you're working, and we pray and invite for you to come and continue to work in us and through us. And God, we look forward to seeing your will accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.